it just came to him as an inspiration that that is the perfect verse to be on the medal for the Order of Canada. So he went back to his organizing committee and said, we're a country of immigrants. Most of us or our forefathers and mothers have come here as immigrants. That's what we should put on the Order of Canada. They desire a better country. This is Culture at a Crossroads with David Mann. With me again in conversation, the former rector from the Anglican Network in Canada, Brian McVitie. Thanks for joining me. Good to be with you. Thank you. Well, Brian, I bring you on the show as we celebrate Canada's birthday this weekend. And with you, I'd like to dive into the Christian foundations of our country. It was just in the news in May that the coat of arms in Canada had been changed. Could you tell us what happened there and where we originally were? Yeah, so just uh, two months ago, the uh, coat of arms of Canada was changed. And uh, I was talking to a group the other night, and uh, most people there were unaware that there was any change to the Canadian coat of arms, but there was. So historically, traditionally, there at the top of the uh, Canadian coat of arms, there is a, a crown, and on the top of the crown, there is a cross, and that's part of our British heritage, and, and the crown represents the same crown for the uh, British sovereign, but um, coinciding with the uh, coronation of King Charles, our government in Ottawa decided to change the Canadian coat of arms and in particular change the crown on the top of there. And so it's a new design of a crown and remove the um, fleur-de-lis, which is a, a cross symbol, and more particularly the cross at the top of the crown was removed and replaced with a snowflake. Okay. So if you didn't know that, now you do. Why did that happen? There's no particular reason that was given except maybe updating it and, I don't know, adding some Canadian flavor. I'm not sure. Um, there are already lots of maple leaves um, on the Canadian coat of arms, so it's it's not that it, I don't think, needed to be Canadianized. I think it's part of, you know, the erasing of our faith foundations, our Christian heritage, and I think this is just one further step of, uh, of doing that. So the coat of arms originally came into play at the same time uh, of Confederation for the same reason. There was a rich Christian heritage. Uh, correct, yes. I think there were a, a few stages over the years where the Canadian coat of arms has been slightly revised or updated. But I think it's been basically the same for the last, uh, you know, 60, 70, 80 years. Okay. Well, let's dig up some of this some of this rich heritage, and uh, you've done that. So let's head to the nation's capital. Let's head to Ottawa, and just in the Peace Tower alone, Brian, what will we see? Yes, well, you could walk through the whole of the Parliament buildings, but we won't get into into all of that. But I think it's a surprise to most Canadians to know that there are Bible verses that are inscribed into the stone of Parliament Hill, the Peace Tower. And we're there for a reason and for a purpose, and they're part of the faith foundations of this country. And I think we're totally oblivious of that. Yeah, we really don't talk about them very much, do we? Brian, what are those verses? So if you're watching the uh, fireworks this coming uh, weekend, Canada Day, and you see the Peace Tower lit up, over the east window is the scripture verse carved in the stone, He shall have dominion from sea to sea, from Psalm 72. And then over the south window is the Bible verse, Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son, also from Psalm 72. 
And then over the west window, carved into the stone, where there is no vision, the people perish, from Proverbs 29. All of these key Bible verses that were chosen for the founding of our country and carved into the stone. Now, of those, probably the most well-known verse in relation to Canada's foundation is Psalm 72.8, that he would have dominion from sea to sea. Brian, why did we as a country choose this? Well, this is an interesting story. So leading up to Confederation, uh, if you know a little bit of your history, you might know that the uh, leaders of Canada got together. They were talking about Confederation. There was a conference in Quebec. Then there was the Charlottetown Conference, and they hammered over most of the details for Confederation. And then in December 1866, they all moved to London, England, and this was for the writing of the British North America Act, which would create uh, Canada. And so they were at the, uh, the meeting, and um, uh, the question was, what would Canada be called? So it would be called Canada, but would it be the Kingdom of Canada? Would it be the Republic of Canada? What would be the full phrasing for what Canada is? And there was uh, no agreement on this, and it so happened that uh, Premier Leonard Tilley from New Brunswick was at the meeting, and the next morning he was doing his daily devotions, and it happened to be from Psalm 72. And as he read through Psalm 72, he came to verse 8, May he have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And he thought to himself, there it is, Canada could be a dominion. And so he went back to the conference and everybody there thought it was a brilliant idea. And so Canada was called a dominion. And then when the uh, Peace Tower was being built, they uh, engraved that verse over the uh, one of the windows on the uh, Peace Tower. He shall have dominion from sea to sea. And when they were putting together the Canadian Coat of Arms, if you're familiar with that, you'll see underneath uh, that same verse is inscribed under the Canadian Coat of Arms. Now, what do you think this signaled? If it was going to be a kingdom or republic, how did the dominion sort of separate and you know set Canada on a different trajectory? Well, I think it was just that Leonard Tilly was inspired. He was a devout believer himself. He had had a conversion experience as a young adult, uh, coinciding with his involvement with the abolishment of liquor and uh, was a strong believer. So he was doing daily devotions. And I think he had this vision of Canada as a Christian country. And this particular verse, I think, spoke to him. And he shall have dominion. God should have dominion from sea to sea and from the rivers to the end of the earth. I think that just struck him as a wonderful vision for Canada, a prayer and a declaration for Canada. And um, so Canada is the dominion of Canada. He probably never realized the impact that that would have on Canada all these years. Well, maybe not. I I mean, we might say that it was a God-given inspiration uh, and a vision, and it certainly lasted from that. And if we're looking at ways to pray for Canada, we can pray that he would have dominion from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Okay. Super helpful. I think a lot of people might be somewhat familiar with this verse, but could you explain where it comes from? Like, what is Psalm 72 all about? Yeah, so Psalm 72, uh, it says it's a psalm of Solomon, probably uh, written by Solomon, thinking of his own son and maybe the coronation, future coronation of his sons and then his son's sons. And so it is a prayer for the king, 
And um, as far as we know, it was used for the uh, coronation of the uh, kings of Israel. And it's also used uh, in the coronation of the British kings as well. So it's a prayer for the coming king, the coming government, and giving thanks for uh, peace and prosperity. So that's the use of, usage of it. But down through the ages, Christian and Jewish scholars have always views that, viewed this as messianic, that the king here in this psalm is described in such superlative terms. The country is so prosperous and so peaceful and so dominant that this uh, psalm has often has always been seen as messianic, referring to the coming of the Messiah, his reign and his kingdom. And so this is a you know a wonderful prayer declaration over Canada. As we read through this psalm, it talks about the hill, the prosperity out of the hills. It talks about the grass of the field, the grain, the peace, justice, looking after the poor. I think we can see this fulfilled in the life of Jesus and uh, what we look forward to in Revelation, the coming kingdom of Jesus and uh, his messianic reign. So from that, we have this this truth, this this messianic truth that is encoded in our country. But if we don't dig it up like you just did now, there are so many Canadians who have no idea what this means. Well, no, I don't even think we often realize that we have these faith foundations, that there was somebody like Leonard Tilley. We are not a secular country, and our origins are not uh, secular or humanistic or atheistic. And I think it's good for all Canadians to know this, and particularly as Christian believers. Yeah, absolutely. And Brian, another verse that we should be aware of is one that's found in Hebrews 11. And this was really etched into our country in the 60s. Could you talk about that verse in Hebrews? Can you talk about Hebrews 11.6? Yeah, so there's another uh, uh, scripture verse on the Canadian coat of arms. And so this has actually been added since the 1960s. So uh, this is a verse from Hebrews chapter 11. And uh, it says, but they desire a better country. So that's uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16. And if you look at the Canadian coat of arms, there's sort of a circle in the middle of it. And you'll see in Latin, uh, that particular verse is uh, referenced in the uh, middle of the Canadian coat of arms. And this also is a fascinating story. So the story behind this is that uh, Canada wanted to have a special honor for a very best citizen. So it was going to be the Order of Canada. So they were setting up the Order of Canada. Lester Pearson was the prime minister at that time. And he commissioned one of his cabinet ministers, John Matheson, to uh, set up the Order of Canada and organize this for us. And so they were going to um, craft a, um, uh, a medallion that would be given to our very best citizens, the Order of Canada. And they were looking for a key phrase or something to put on the medallion. So John Matheson, again, a, a devout Christian, he was attending his church in Ottawa. And that particular Sunday morning, the preacher was preaching on Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16. They desire a better country. And it just came to him as an inspiration that that is the perfect verse to be on the medal for the Order of Canada. 
So he went back to his organizing committee and said, we're a country of immigrants. Most of us or our forefathers and mothers have come here as immigrants. That's what we should put on the Order of Canada. They desire a better country. And so that was accepted. And so that's the verse that's on the medal, the Order of Canada medal. And they were so pleased with it that it was also inscribed into the center of the Canadian coat of arms. That's a pretty big deal to to make a switch into the Canadian coat of arms at that point. It was. I think they were uh, so impressed with that and thought that that represented Canada so well that uh, not only would it be on the Order of Canada, but it would be added to the very center of the Canadian coat of arms. Amazing. But Brian, you got to let us in on the broken telephone that brought some humor when the verse was first shared. Uh, Yes. So uh, John Matheson came up with this particular verse, the Order of Canada. The the key verse was going to be Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16. But when the press release came out, they listed it as Hebrews 12, 16, which reads, I'll just read this, let no one be immoral or irreligious like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. (laughs) Let no one be immoral or irreligious like Esau. Well, that could also be on our Canadian coat of arms, I guess, but not quite as inspiring as what actually ended up there. And the press had great fun with that uh, typo. (laughs) You could let your imagination wander with interpretation of that birthright (laughs) to Britain. I don't know. Wow. So we have this coming 100 years into Canada's history. And would you think at this time that a lot of Canadians would have understood the significance of that verse? I think it resonated with a lot of people. Um, it's taking that verse or that phrase uh, slightly out of context, but uh, in that we're uh, a nation of immigrants by and large, uh, that sense that they desire a better country, I think certainly speaks of uh, the Canadian people and uh, our appreciation for being here and uh, wanting to make this the best uh, country of all. A little bit easier to take that verse out of context, right? I mean, the one in Psalm 72, 8, that in its particular, I mean, forget about the, the messianic connotation, which comes in the other verses, but having dominion from sea to sea, pretty clear, you know, we want God to have sovereignty, to be in control of this country. Right. But with the Hebrews, it's a, it's a bit of a deeper dive to really, because in that verse, it's prescribing, uh, you know, our, our our destination that is not in this country. Right. So the context of this verse is that we're our true citizenship as believers is not in any country or any nation. We belong to a heavenly city. So we have a heavenly destination. We belong to a heavenly kingdom. We're looking forward to a city uh, whose foundations God has built. So that's the context of the verse, Uh, not really that we're looking forward to a better country named Canada. Um, So, But I think if we look at this verse, it is a key verse for Canada now, and I think we can say that we are proud to be Canadians, we have Canadian citizenship, we pray for this country, we want this to be the best country possible, but we're aware that we uh, answer to a much higher calling and that we are citizens of an even better kingdom, which is the heavenly Jerusalem. And uh, all through this chapter and the next chapter, the author is referencing that like Abraham and Sarah were exiles and sojourners, and that we should remember that we're just passing through and that uh, we have a citizenship that is heavenly. I mean, you just got to think that God's hand has, was on that, that the fact that we would get such a, such a rich 
theological messianic verse in there once again. And I mean, you've got to think that God has blessed us for it. Well, I think there's there's lots of meaning there, and it certainly applies to us as Canadians and who we want to be as people and as Christian believers. And again, I think that this is um, unknown to most Canadians. I think we can reference it, we can appreciate it, and I think it speaks to uh, who we are as Canadians and as Christian believers. Do you know if anyone's ever dug up that sermon from Matheson's Church in Ottawa? No, I've no idea. That's a very good question. It was a United Church that he went to, correct? No, I think it was Anglican. It was Anglican. That's why you know about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So, Brian, after considering these verses and uh, just taking us through a bit of a history lesson on the Christian foundation of Canada, what does this mean? What should this mean to us as Christians today, knowing a little bit more about these verses and how they have really shaped our country. Well, I think we could unpack each of these. So they talk about who we are as a people, our own values as a country. And I think in the midst of the news and the values and the debates of today, I think as uh, Christians, we can reference these, say that these, uh, first of all, that, that we were not uh, a uh, atheistic uh, country at our founding, that we were, we were founded by uh, God-fearing men and women who had a vision of this country as being a place that was God-honoring, and uh, they drew the, the values of this country stand on the scriptures. And I think in the current debate, whatever it might be, I think as Christians, we should uh, be aware of that. We should be uh, proud of that. We can speak to that. And uh, I think call our fellow fellow citizens back to who we really are as Canadians. There's a sense of gratitude that has to come from this, isn't there? I think there's a sense of gratitude. And I have to say that what, what prompted my research on this Back in uh, 2015, when um, Justin Trudeau became our prime minister, shortly after that, he was interviewed and said that Canada is the first post-nation country of all and that we really don't have any particular core values. And I'm, that's a, a fairly accurate quote, I think. I, I don't have it in front of me. And I listened to that, and I thought that that's not true at all. It's not where we're some post-nation state with no core values. We definitely had core values when this country was founded. We should dig these up. We should know about these. They've made us who we are today. The envy of the world, this has made us who we are today, and we don't want to lose these uh, because they're so important and precious to us. Hmm. How should we as Christians reconcile our roots and trying to celebrate this in light of the reality that there are people of different religions living in Canada now? How do we come to that fork in the road? Well, I think we can be uh, respectful. Obviously, we're, we're a country of immigrants. A million people apparently came into Canada from all over the world this past year. So I think we want to um, be respectful of, of everybody. But I think also they're attracted to Canada because of its democracy, its prosperity, its peace, its rule of law, sound banking. Uh, the list could go on. And those did not happen just by accident or because we're uh, smarter than other nations or other people. There's a reason why this is an attractive destination for so many people around the world and why we as Canadians uh, feel, you know, a sense of pride about being Canadians and who we are as Canadians. 
So all of this, I think, informs who we are. And um, it's good for us to know about this and even to celebrate this. Awesome. Well, thanks for the history lesson and for just reminding us of the hope that we still have and the fact that, you know, God has blessed this country and perhaps we need to be more thankful for the way that he has, in fact, had his hand on things from 150 years ago to this current day. Uh, We've been in conversation with the former rector from the Anglican Network in Canada, Brian McVitie. And uh, you can find a Brian McVitie's book, Uh, when you search Facing Cancer online. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, David. Great to be with you. Wow, such rich history that Brian brought to us. Love those stories of the men who were sensitive to what God was teaching them. Just goes to show how valuable it is to be in the Bible and to sit under biblical preaching. As we close out this special Canada Day weekend show, I just want to spend a little bit of time reflecting on a couple of other great Christians. I know there are many that we could talk about, but I'm just going to focus on two who I think have helped to shape Canada since our country was formed in 1867, particularly over the last uh, 70 or so years. The first is Tommy Douglas. He was a Baptist minister turned politician, and Douglas went on to be the premier of Saskatchewan from 1944 to 1961. That's a long time to serve, and over those years, he introduced their province to the first kind of medical care known in the country. And of course, as you know, Canada would go on to adopt that model federally. And regardless of your opinion on it, it's worth mentioning that this stemmed from his faith. Douglas believed that Christianity is as concerned with helping this world as it is with the life after. And the second Christian I want to highlight is David Maines. He was considered by many as Canada's pastor. The founder of 100 Huntley Street was a pioneer in not just Christian broadcasting, but television broadcasting in general. And for David, a big motivation for him to bring the good news of Jesus to TV came from his time as a pastor. He would go to people's homes on a Sunday morning and pick them up to take them to church. He would pile up his car. And it was when he came into these homes that he thought to himself, what if we could bring the message of Jesus to people so they had it all the time? And that's what happened. It started as a 15-minute message on the local TV station in Pembroke and evolved into the launch of 100 Huntley Street in 1977, and it still is the longest-running daily TV show in Canada. You know, in a lot of ways, Canada's Christian heritage is being covered up, but if you look for it, you can't miss it. How this country has been impacted for the better by Christians and the faith foundation that we have. Next time on Culture at a Crossroads. Well, it was 1867 when Canada became a country, and just years before that, the U.S. was in the middle of its civil war. What you might not know about this battle between the Union and the Confederacy is the role that some Canadians played in not just supporting Abraham Lincoln, but the other side too. Don't miss my conversation with journalist and author Julian Schur on his latest book, The North Star. Regardless of what they thought about slavery, there was a sympathy among our aristocrats for the aristocrats of the South. The South was a very caste-ridden society, right? You had obviously the enslaved blacks, you had the poor whites, and then the rich aristocrats. And those rich aristocrats would come to Toronto and Montreal, shop in the fine stores, and felt quite at home and became easy friends with the rich aristocrats in Canada. Thanks for listening today. A reminder that you can access any of our episodes when you head to the Culture at a Crossroads podcast. We do invite you back next week as we once again explore the intersection of faith and culture in Canada, helping to better equip you in following Jesus.